Welcome back in just a little bit after 7.30 on this Friday, April 2nd. DJ is off today. He'll be back with us on Monday. Right now we got David Locke. David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the uh, Murdoch Auto team, as it always is. Mr. Locke, how the heck are you? Good morning. I'm good. I'm so glad to know that you were not on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and that you're not getting arrested. Makes me very happy. I can't guarantee you that I won't get arrested, but I can pretty much guarantee you that I will never be on the Housewives of Salt Lake yeah. City. <laughs> Is this um, who's who's his who's his, her husband? Uh, Sharif Shaw. You're speaking of uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Sharif Shaw's know, wife got arrested on some fraud charges, and she uh, married to Sharif. He's obviously the cornerbacks coach. At Utah, great speaker. Love to hear him speak. Uh, has L.A. roots. Played at Dorsey, which is uh, over there in uh, Los Angeles yeah. area. And then also too, Dave Rose's brother and uh, second wife are on that show. I don't oh. know if you knew that. Are they involved in this whole? I'm not real well versed on this whole thing. I was really just reading about it like five minutes uh, ago. Like the Skype call that they either. couldn't, the Skype call they couldn't get off because too many people got on it for the arraignment yesterday. It's like, like the great pandemic. Like, I don't know. It's kind of to me. It's like the confluence of, and I, I know this is serious for some people in our community, evidently. So, but um, it is really the confluence of like pandemic, America obsessed with bizarre things, and social networking all converging in one time. So that a judge can't, so I don't know if you read this, but I guess they had like some arraignment or something yesterday, but they have to do it by Skype because of the pandemic. Then because it's Real Housewives and Bravo, like the world somehow figured out where it was and got on it. Maybe it's open to the public for the media. And they all got on it. And then the woman who's getting arrested got somehow got knocked off, but there were too many people in the Skype, so she couldn't actually get back on to be arraigned. Wow. It's like it's like too good to be true. Nope. I have to admit my television viewing, I'd say it's probably ninety, ninety five percent sports. Yeah, I'm kinda of there with you. Like people always ask me like what shows are you watching? I'm like the NBA. Yeah. Like, right. Watched, watched I watched Denver Clippers for a while and I watched yep. yesterday's Chicago Phoenix game. Phoenix won again. That really, you know, bummed me out. Like, the first time I watched it, Phoenix won. The second time I watched it, Phoenix won. Oh, well. Well, they played the Hawks and the Bulls this week, and the Jazz right. have the Bulls, uh, obviously, tonight. Uh, I mean, the Levine has come on. Uh, they made the trade with uh, Vucevic. They're the center for Orlando, who's a nice player, played at SC, so I've watched him play for a number of years. And I believe Donovan is a decent coach at the NBA level. Uh, but right now, I do not expect them to win. And I think the Jazz, the next two games, I, mean, I, I expect them to win. I don't, I don't really think there's uh, any, any doubt about it that they, they win both of these ball games. How about you? Um, I mean, I'm still probably in the school of, like, you just never know. Um, but I right, I'll buy I that. Be, yeah, they're heavily favored in both games. Um, Vucevic is really a fascinating player. So, you know, we're all watching. For those of us that are junkies, we're all watching, and you're trying to figure out, like, just the really fundamental, easy question of, like, well, does he help you win? 
Like he puts up really good numbers and he's really quite a good player and he's hard to guard. And, you know, I always think there's two factors when I look at an NBA player and try to evaluate him. And one is the Gordy Chiesa quote, like, is, like what about him makes you say, oh, beep. Like, you know, he always talked about in the draft, but also like when you're scouting for him in a game, what makes you go, oh, beep, right? Like, so Kyle Korver, like, was really obvious. Like, it's the way he, the way he shoots and you got, oh, beep. So, Vukovic obviously has some O-beep factor. Like, he's hard to prepare for. He's bringing the defense out. He plays. He can really score it. But, like, does he help you win? Does he help his teammates get better? He's a pretty fascinating case because he's put up these really good numbers. It's always been on a bad team. It's always been somewhat understandable that it's a bad team. But, uh, you know, but on the other end, like, Aaron Gordon gets traded and seems like a really nice piece, and Evan Fournier gets traded and everyone gets excited. And they've, And so, like, is there – I don't know. I've just never really been quite sure. Like, I understand he's a good player and he puts up good numbers. and he's, So he's capable of putting up numbers. And right now it's really interesting because he goes to Chicago and obviously they have to figure it out, but they haven't figured it out in the first few games. They got blown out, I think, by Sacramento. They lost to the Lakers or some, they lost to the Suns. And simultaneously, Orlando's actually winning games. Like, Orlando got rid of Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and Nikola Vukovic, and now all of a sudden they're winning games. Like, it's a really strange kind of thing to look at. I'm going to be very curious to see how um, Chicago does over over the next little period of time. Zach Levine's been marvelous this year. He's as efficient and productive and positively influent, impactful as any offensive player in the whole NBA. He's on the injured list today, so we'll see whether he plays. Um, but he's real. I mean, he's really great. He has he has the whole OS factor. His defense is leads a little to be desired. And so he actually kind of fits into the same kind of grouping of players that, um, do they, you know, do they help you? There's so very few PK like that's, I think really the story is so you're Chicago and you're a new GM and you've got Levine, his contracts coming up in a year and you got to decide, like we do a full rebuild. He's likely to leave in free agency. And then, and then we've lost everything or do we add this player and we give up two first round draft picks, but like how many players are there in the NBA that actually really impact the outcome of a debt game on a given night, like at a pretty dramatic level night in and night out. There just aren't that many. You know, that voice He's David Locke. He's probably the most famous voice we have on the Salt Lake city, Utah airwaves. And that's interesting. You say that about the bulls and the departing guys from the magic because that's exactly the way I felt about Aaron Gordon watching him. He just played one year down in Tucson in the Pac-10, and then he's gone. I guess maybe it was Pac-12 by then. And so then he goes off. He's got all sorts of athletic ability, but he wasn't really helping them win. But yet now in Denver, I think he's a missing piece that they exactly exactly what they needed because Millsap's at the end of the line. They slide him into the starting lineup, and I think they're like 3-0, 4-0 maybe since he got there. I think from that perspective, sort of like Hornacek back when, when the Jazz picked him up, it was – and he wasn't necessarily maybe a great individual player, but as far as a piece of the puzzle, it looks like I'm not following the Nuggets day-to-day the way we do the Jazz, but from a distance, I'm certainly paying attention to them, and it looks like he's that type of player that you talk, that you speak about there departing the, the lineups for the Magic, and we'll see what they do in Boston and Chicago with those trades. But for Gordon... You think that he's an excellent fit as far as what Denver is looking for and elevates Denver's possibilities? So I've got kind of three takes on this. Uh, so let me try to see if I can be concise. That would be a first. 
And then let me see if I can make sense out of it. So the first thing in regards to the trade of Aaron Gordon to Orlando, he's filling a void. I think that's the biggest thing that people miss on trade deadline is when they talk about acquiring talent and who got what. Right, right. You know, like you go back to the Lakers when they grabbed Pau Gasol. He replaced Kwame Brown, who at the time was the worst starting power forward in all of the NBA. So then they got not only did they go, they went from worst to best. Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green combination of power forward was about 25th, 26th, 27th on the list of power forward of what they're giving their team right now. So he's filling a void, um, which is a huge step up for Denver. Two, um, you know, if Aaron Gordon is willing to be a complimentary piece rather than a star, right? So he moves past that I was the fourth pick of an NBA draft and I've gotten a huge salary and I have to be the man because he's just never shown to have the skills to do that and is willing to be a complimentary piece to Jokic and Murray and Porter, then he's pretty fabulous because they were, I watched them last night, they're really long. Really, really long. Um, and he adds to that. The third thing on this, though, is I think Denver's been a title contender the whole time. Like, I'm not a guy to – I'm not allowed to gamble on the NBA, and I'm not a gambler anyway. Um, but, like, I've been looking at the lines for championships with pretty regularity, like, wondering why is Denver – like, I think Denver and Utah have the same odds to win a championship. Like, I would put them – if I was a gambling person, I would put them at the exact same. The Jazz are, like, plus 600, and Denver's, like, plus 2,200. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what, why everyone's, like, I think they're fabulous. They have the MVP. They've been a little up and down this season, but it's a weird year. And I think that they're, we're a title contender, top four team, five team in the Western Conference this whole time. Um, and I would probably put them equal to the Clippers as a title contender, equal to the Jazz as a title contender. And so they added Aaron Gordon, and they're still a title contender. The other thing is, right now is that their schedule is crazy soft. They're going to win probably, I think I wrote it down the day of the trade deadline, they're going to win 13 of 15, and everyone's going to think it's because of the trade. They're going to win 13 of 15 because they're good. And I don't know that it's because of the Aaron Gordon trade, right? So last night was actually probably not one of the 13 of 15s. Let me take it back. They're going to win 14 of 15. And last night was a really impressive win, and they looked every bit as big as the Clippers. And the Clippers didn't have Serge Ibaka last night, but the Clippers are mammoth. And they looked every bit as big as them. So, I, 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 you know, it's a big jump in the right direction for them. I mean, they've got Murray, who's 6'3", Barton, who's like 6'5", Porter, who's 6'11", 6'10", Aaron Gordon, who's 6'8", 6'9", and Jokic at 7 feet. That is just a big, big lineup. I mean, if you think about us, we're starting 6'1", 6'1", 6'4", 6'7", 6'6", 6'8" and seven feet like we're we're gonna be dramatically smaller than them at every position all right well after 32 games though they're only 17 and 15 so what do you expect the odds to be at that point yeah i get yeah i just think they're great i mean i think they're really like i think they're one of the elite teams in the league and i just haven't been bothered by the way they're playing this year at all so um you know jamal murray started the year funky they had some injuries. Paul Millsap was clearly a void that they've now filled. Um, Michael Porter Jr. missed the first. Um, they had all sorts of internal issues with integrating Michael Porter onto the team. Um, and then Michael Porter got COVID, 
or was on the COVID protocol, but I think he actually had COVID. Then he had a hard time coming back from it. So they just went through a lot this year. Um, I do think, you know, I don't mean this to diminish what we're doing. What we're doing is really incredible. We're one of the like 12 best regular season teams in the history of the NBA. Like it's amazing what we're doing. I do think that there's some level where we're going to see that regular season this year has maybe less correlation to playoffs than usual. It's just, you know, there's a lot going on this year. Um, So we'll see. So you've got Denver finishing maybe as high as second? Uh, I think they'll make a run at it, but I think Phoenix is probably, I think one, two, I feel like in the NBA right now, and the, that one, two is set. So it's Utah or Phoenix. Um, Phoenix got a really soft schedule coming up right here. And then at the end of April, they go East and they play a four game stretch against or five, four or five game stretch against, I think they play like Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, New York on a four game stretch. And then they come and then they have a, in Boston, that's their five game East coast road trip. Like if they come out of that at three and two, they're still in play. And then they play us the next night or maybe the Clippers and then us the next night's at home. So I think by April one, uh, we'll probably know, or excuse me, May one, we'll know where Phoenix is. Um, but I think that Jazz and Phoenix are one, two. I think Clippers, Denver, Portland are three, four, five. Is that right? And then the only question is whether the Dallas Mavericks can catch the Lakers for the playing game, which I think is unlikely. Um, but I think the Lakers end up at six. Uh, Dallas is at seven, and then it's a combination of Memphis, Golden State, San Antonio. I keep waiting for New Orleans, to, but for the fifth straight year, they just continue to lose. Yeah. So the situation with Donovan Mitchell, is this a one-shot deal, or is it going to linger? Uh, way out of my pay grade. That's all you got to say? I mean... I don't know why he missed the game. I can put two and two together. If that's the case, that is dealing with a anxiety issue, and I don't know anything about that. Like that's just like I can talk to you about why Donovan's gotten so good with off the pick and roll, and how he's playing with ease, and why well, the game looks more comfortable to him, and how we're seeing a natural progression in the fourth fourth year of his year, and how Mike Wells at halftime made a fascinating point to us about the amount of information he's able to take in right now from different sources and not have it impact his game. But I can't tell you a darn thing about that. So they always have Wells on the halftime thing. Is that correct? That is correct. We had Vince Lagarza for a little while. He did a great job when Wellesie was out for a little bit, but Wells has been kind of is the halftime staple. It's really a, it's pretty awesome. Like, I don't know, um, TV and radio are different. And, um, but I mean, on our radio broadcast, what Mike Wells gives us at halftime is pretty incredible stuff. Like for, if you're a fan of the team and, you know, junkie and really love the game and want to know what's going on, you know, I, I would tell you that there's two times in our radio broadcast you should listen every night. One is right before tip off when Ron Boone gives the shoot around report, and the other time is Mike Wells at halftime. Then you can go listen to Bowler and Harp and Thurl the rest of the time if you want to because you avoid me, and that's probably good for you. But those two segments on our radio are, are really incredible because of the insight Booner has and connections he still has to know what the game plan is every night. And then Wells just gives it, like, building off of that, we, Wells really just gives us amazing detail of what – you know, adjustments they're making and where what they're doing. It's 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 great. I love it. Does he travel with the team? He does. Okay, yeah. He did, because not, I... he did not during 
the bubble last year for some family purpose reasons. So he right, actually joined right. us last year in the fourth quarter of games, which was even more amazing, right? right? To have like an assistant coach who basically knows the whole game plan on the air with yeah. you while you're good. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. And then I've seen him. He does uh, both on this year. So I was wondering. He's very good, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I usually try to flick over, and then the, uh, Kristen interviews him, I think, there at halftime. I think she's the one who does it. And so, yeah, I'm always paying attention. I mean, the uh, truth is that I just steal Kristen's questions. Nobody knows this. Oh, this is, is the truth. Okay. Well, we're on the, same, we're on the <laughs> same Zoom. So KK goes first. I just take her questions, and, and, I, and then I, you know. So okay, that that's makes actually sense. the truth. Yeah. I didn't realize how that worked. So Yeah, we're, we're on All the right. same Zoom. Well, we'll hear you on uh, the call tonight. I'm expecting two wins. I like next week's schedule a little bit with Dallas and Phoenix, uh, two playoff teams for sure. So that'll, those will be fun. And, and I agree with you. Every game is its own entity, and it's not shocking that they could possibly lose, but obviously they're heavily favored to win both of these games, and I expect them to get to that point, and then we'll roll in the next week and go from there. I mean, their focus night in and night out there, it's been pretty incredible. That Memphis win was, that was, well, that was really something. Be a team three times in five days and have all the stuff they've been through. Like, right. Uh, and, and, there, and the one that gets me is like, I get really fr- frustrated as the play by play announcer. I shouldn't, but I do. Like, when I know that they're lacking focus and when they're not executing the plan and like things like that. And they, that was not the case that night. There was very, very few mental lapses that night. Physical lapses, sure. They may, you know, you make a mistake and turn the ball over and drive the lane and get caught in the air and throw it back out. Those kind of things happen all the time. But, you know, John Morant, they had a very clear game plan on him. And for the most part, they executed. He's just great. But, you know, they had very clear things they were trying to do and they did them well. All right. Hey, we got to go. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. See you, bud.